0: requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Get the popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stompers.
0: The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go oh Bears. Go oh Bears.
2: From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's
1: Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are.
3: Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill
1: The Adams. Hogan Johns. What's up?
2: Welcome in as we get ready for Bears and Saints Sunday afternoon along the blustery lakefront. It's going to be brisk, baby. Brisk, cold, and windy. Probably a good thing for the Bears as the Saints... It's kind of always a story with the Saints when they have to go play outside. Drew Brees has had some issues with this in the past. And it's their first outdoor game of the season. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. So if you're stretching for reasons why you should be optimistic about the <laughs> Bears, we just covered it in the first 20 seconds of the podcast.
1: How about that Kevin Fishbane fun fact, though? just You don't realize how many teams have domes nowadays across the league. But hey. Oh, I do. I do yeah.
2: because what's happened is uh, every stadium looks the same right now on TV and I don't like it.
1: Like What, without the fans? That did not look the same in Los Angeles last week or Monday. Well,
2: but it does. What I'm talking about when you're zoomed in on the game, like when you're just on the TV copy and they're showing a play, every field looks the same right
1: now. Yeah.
2: It's boring. We went from cookie-cutter domes. And then they realized that those were all stupid. They knocked them all down. And now they've built these really cool stadiums. Yes. But when you're watching on TV and they all have the same field turf and the, or tractable roof or cover, they all look the same to me. I don't like it.
1: As much as I feel like Soldier Field needs to be massively upgraded, significantly upgraded, I still like the feel of the real turf. I still like the, the feel of the elements, even though we're nice and cozy up in the hot dog laden press box. I still like seeing football played in the elements a little bit yes
2: uh well welcome in follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, hoge at Adam Johns j a h n s you could read me at Nbc sports read Adam Johns at the athletic the slash Hogan Johns is where you can sign up and uh subscribe if you're not already one dollar a month people steal the deal that seems pretty pretty like a pretty good price. It's doable. One, $1 a month. Well, let's bring in Larry. Uh, we started this podcast, Larry, by talking about how windy it it might be Saturday or uh, Sunday at Soldier Field. Um, but I don't know if that'll phase the Saints too much. Uh, you, you guys have been through plenty of wind and hurricanes here. Uh, first of all, how are you doing? Everyone down there okay? Everyone, everyone all right?
3: Yeah, I think relatively speaking, everyone is okay uh, because actually the storm that just hit, I mean, it was, I think when it came in, it was probably just one mile an hour below a category three. And I don't think a lot of people expected that. Uh, the Saints practiced through it. They didn't practice outdoors to prepare themselves for Soldier Field. But look, no, me personally and my family, we're doing, we're doing well, have a little damage to our house. and But it is weird that uh, the eye of the hurricane came basically over everyone's houses here in New Orleans. And that doesn't really happen very often. And it was, uh, look, it, it was some freakish moments. So I, I think just everyone's happy that it's gone. And it's just so 2020, a hurricane, like at the end of October, give me a break. I mean, we're in the Greek alphabet. We're at Zeta. We've gone through so many storms. It's been absurd. So I'll just chalk it up to 20. Relatively speaking, I'd say people are, are doing okay here.
1: Did you say the Saints practiced through it? So as this Hurricanes going through Louisiana, as Ada's going through Louisiana, they're in the, indoors practicing?
3: Well, they practiced up until about 3 o'clock, and the storm, the eye probably hit landfall around 4-ish wow. and probably got to New Orleans around 6. So players were able to at least get out of dodge like after practice was over, but coaches basically just stayed put and they did their work at the facility and the thing was gone by like seven like it was such a fast-moving storm it was moving at like 21 miles an hour so I mean by the end of the night it was in Atlanta so uh yeah so it, it was fast moving so I think they uh, they kind of just literally hunkered down and did their work and moved on and now everybody's uh cleaning up and uh hopefully cleaning up enough to watch LSU on Saturday and then watch the Saints on Sunday
2: well, Larry, I don't know how many more distractions there can be. You got hurricanes, you got COVID. Uh, it's just what a year. The the Saints also have a distraction. It seems like with Michael Thomas. Um, what's the state of this team right now? I mean, they've it, it looks shaky early on, at least in terms of the wins and losses. Now they've they've started to put it together, and I know at least the view here in Chicago is that the the Saints are rightly favored in this game. Um, but I guess how have the Saints made it through all these distractions right now? And is there any concern about their it having an effect on the game on Sunday?
3: I don't think so. Like I think that this team has been battle tested enough, basically going back to 2017, and they're over to they're able to overcome this. Now I don't I don't feel super confident about this team right now. Like I don't feel like. This team is kind of cranking on all cylinders. I, I think they've got plenty enough issues, whether it's dealing with uh, injuries to Michael Thomas or suspensions, or uh, like you said, COVID. Emmanuel Sanders he's not going to play again this week, and yet defensively, I just feel like they have uh, issues on the field. They're not they're not playing as well as I thought they would, uh, but it, they have managed to work their way through it, and they're four and two and. Uh, it's something that if you looked at the schedule to start the season, you might say, all right, four and two would be good, but you would assume maybe, all right, y- you might lose to Tampa early and you'd lose to Green Bay and you- you'd win some of these games. But it- it's just really been kind of an ugly four and two. But the fact that they are there, I think there's room to improve. Their offense is getting better, but I have question marks on their defense. So it's been, it's been a shaky four and two, which I'm sure kind of Bears fans feel like, well, we're kind of a shaky five and two, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of, I feel like in the same ballpark.
1: <laughs> I think some Bears fans would use a different word than than, <laughs> than, than, than shaky, but they, yes, they, they are five and two. Matt Nagy reminded us of that yesterday over zoom um, to use your word shaky. Like when you look at Drew Brees, season, like just like on paper, it looks just like a Drew Brees season, like 72% completion percentage, good touchdown interception ratio, Good quarterback rating, QBR over 81, so it looks good. But, like, if you see him, he looks, I, I don't know, like some velocity is missing. That's just, you know, from the, the the games that I've caught or some of the film that, that I've seen. What are you seeing out of Drew Brees at 41, especially, you know, considering he's coming to Soldier Field on a the Sunday where the wind gusts could be about 40 miles per hour?
3: Yeah, look, his air yardage – is has never been super high maybe the last four years they've kind of changed the way and kind of catered to Drew Brees and his diminishing skills but uh, look my biggest concern was early and it wasn't really arm strength it was accuracy like the first two games of the season he was only completing 60 low 60 percent of his passes and that's not good like if he can't uh have a high completion percentage and he doesn't have necessarily this rocket arm, which he never had, but it's, it's probably less than what it used to be. Then you're in trouble. But uh, week three, he was able to rebound. And ever since he's been basically the same Drew Brees we've seen the last three or four years. So that's one of the reasons why the saints have become more consistent. Uh, But what's amazing to me is he's been able to do this uh, without Michael Thomas the entire time. Uh, Jared Cook missed some time. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders missed some time last week. Like it's been kind of like a, who are the Saints wide receivers because you don't know who they are, and it's to me the fact that they've been able to generate offense, and a lot of that goes on Alvin Kamara. He has been dynamite, All-Pro running back, doing it all. Uh, You know, reverting back to 2017, 2018 where he was dynamite, and he's just as dynamite this year as he was then. Maybe even more so now because. The, he's been such a focal point to the offense. But so you know I think Drew Brees is basically just the what you see on on paper uh, and the way they they run the offense, I mean it's pretty similar to what they've been doing, but you know, he could look even better once Michael Thomas returns. I mean he certainly helps. But uh, the fact that he's been able to kind of improve and have the offense improve without someone like Michael Thomas. I think that shows that he's still got something left in the tank, even though we we all basically assume this is going to be his last year.
2: Larry, the Saints were, were my Super Bowl pick this year, um, and I'd feel better about that if the defense was playing better. That's been my biggest surprise. You hinted on that earlier. Uh, it was sort of like an uh-oh the first few weeks of the season when when the Saints were were struggling but to me, it was it was more about that that defense. I I expected them to be better than they've looked. So, what what are the issues on that side of the ball? Now, look, the Bears' offense can make any defense right, so it, it might not be a problem on Sunday. But when it comes to the Saints, you you know you can fix things in a season, and it's all about how you look in December and January more so uh, than late October. But what are the issues, and can they get them fixed?
3: Yeah, if the Bears uh, uh, and Nick Foles look like Joe Montana and the old-school 49ers and the Saints defense is in a heap of trouble. So let's uh, – if that happens, then, yeah, and then and ring, ring the bell. Uh, we got some problems, major problems. But, look, I think a lot of it has to do with the secondary. And these aren't young players. Like, these are uh, – Marshawn Lattimore is in his fourth year. Janoris Jenkins, uh, you know, he's been a little bit banged up. Uh, and he returned and he's in his return, he's played a little bit better. But your, your veteran safety is like Marcus Williams, just having uh, uh, com- like just not knowing where to be. And he, Sean Payton, it's pretty uh, he, it was pretty telling when someone asked uh, about the secondary this past week. And he said, well, it, that's the six million dollar question. And oh, whose contract totals up to six million dollars? It's Marcus Williams. And so, uh, you know, and people know him for being the one to whiff on the Minneapolis miracle. So, like, there's a spotlight on him even since then. But still, I just think that uh, teams are able to throw on them, and it's it's an issue. And I thought that secondary would be much better. Like, March on Lattimore, people are thinking he's going to be a high-priced corner. Well, if he keeps playing the way he is, I don't uh, – his price tag is going to drop a little. And so, uh, you know, but uh, also I feel like, Demario Davis, maybe in pass coverage, he hasn't been as good as he was last year. I mean, he was All-Pro last year, rightfully so. I mean, he he's been he's been good, but not great. Uh, Cam Jordan has been held in check. Uh, I have I think part of that is I've never seen him more double-teamed in a year than this year. Like people are trying to eliminate him from the equation, and that's why you look on the other side. Trey Hendrickson has four and a half sacks, uh, but I do feel like the pass rush has been improving the last couple of weeks. It's helped that Marcus Davenport, their 2018 first-round pick. Uh, he missed the first four or five games, and he's uh, been back and, and playing a little bit better. So I feel like up front they're getting better, but that back end, I just need to see it to believe it. And right now I'm not seeing it, and I don't believe it. And so uh, the the Saints better hope that Allen Robinson doesn't play because I wouldn't be shocked if he had a big day uh, if, if he would play.
1: Larry, I was hoping you could uh... – End this conversation, or at least these questions we get in town a little bit here. So, so help me out, bear with me for a second. So, when Trubisky got benched, um, in, almost immediately on Twitter, there were calls for him to take over this Taysom Hill like role in the Bears offense. Can you explain to people like what that role actually is and perhaps why Trubisky uh, may or may not be a fit for such a thing? Like, what are they doing? with him down in New Orleans. And what do you think of the idea of Trubisky doing something like that?
3: I mean, Taysom is basically a tight end who takes some snaps at quarterback and will do some read option things. And that has been an issue too. Like that, when he's gotten in the game this year, people know it's coming and it's kind of been a drive killer and people have really kind of turned down here on Taysom Hill and that experiment, but like he runs routes. I mean, he does, he blocks like, he's, he's kind of like an H back tight end and might even get a carry like it. So Matt, like, I don't know if Mitch Trubisky, I, I don't see him in practice if he's capable of doing that, but boy, I would, I just would not see him fitting that role at all. Like, I just don't, I, I would not see that. Uh, y- you can't just all of a sudden like learn that on the fly when you haven't been doing it, you know? So I feel like that is, that is something that, the Saints have cultivated for three years. I mean, just throwing Trubisky in there just to do that, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say, "Hey, let let him go pick up uh, a blitzer or a pass rusher or, or do some run blocking." Like I, I wouldn't see Trubisky doing that. Would you guys? I, because I, I just wouldn't see
1: it. No, not at all. That's why <laughs> I think it's. I get that he's quite the athlete, uh, Trubisky, but. Yeah, maybe throw. I don't, maybe do doubled passes or something. The, the idea of him being, like you said, the tight end, <laughs> like the Hill can be in some instances. You know, the guy plays special teams too, doesn't he? You know, like this is right. Yeah, just yeah. You gonna see Trubisky do.
3: gonna go run and block a punt? Come on, no. <laughs> yes. Like Taysom Hill's block day like, or return a kickoff. Like Taysom Hill has done that too. Like no, I, yeah. See Trubisky like rumbling down, like uh, trying to get to the fifteen on a kick kick return. I think Bears fans would maybe they just want to like just have some humor. I don't know. Maybe that's where they're coming from.
2: Taysom Hill is actually more similar to Cordero Patterson than than Mitch Trubisky, to be honest. Like <laughs> You're
3: probably it, right.
2: <laughs> like like that's, more of yeah. that Swiss Army knife type role where he's doing a little bit of everything. It's just probably in Patterson's case he's not throwing the ball like Hill does sometimes. But uh yeah, that that's probably got to stop. Hey, uh, Larry, you know Ryan Pace, the Bears' general manager, came from New Orleans uh, a while now. It's been this is the sixth season in Chicago. Um, you know, and and part of that over the years has been about you know, from our perspective, a lot of it is Ryan trying to emulate some things that work well in New Orleans, trying to find that. Sean Payton, Drew Brees combination. We talk about that stuff all the time here in Chicago about how he wants to find what worked in New Orleans. Does anyone in New Orleans ever talk about what the hell Ryan Pace is doing in Chicago?
3: Not necessarily. Only say in the instance of, oh, well, Akeem Hicks is in Chicago. That's because he saw him in New Orleans. I think that's probably the biggest thing there. And, you know, sometimes, like, I don't think saying, well, Ryan Pace went and got Ted Ginn. Like, I don't think that people are thinking of it in that sense. But, uh, uh, you know, I do think people down here uh, wonder, man, like, is Ryan Pace sometimes in over his head? with? And they point to the Trubisky thing. I mean, like, that that sort of thing. And so, uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's no doubt he was valued in New Orleans. I mean, they tried to hide him. Like they didn't want his name getting out there and, you know, more it would, more it would. And obviously he's off to, uh, uh, and he's been with the bears for six years, but yeah, I, like, I think that, uh, uh, particularly the Akeem Hicks acquisition and then, because a lot of Saints fans would like Akeem Hicks still to be in a Saints uniform. And, you know, he's bounced around a couple of teams now, but, uh, we see Akeem Hicks playing really well. And I think people here in new Orleans, see that as the direct correlation of Ryan Pace knowing key picks very well.
1: The, one of the, I guess, most prevailing storylines here in Chicago right now is the Matt Nagy and his play calling. You're, you've covered Sean Payton for a long time. What have you maybe learned about the art of, of play calling um, with Sean Payton, uh, even to the point of knowing when to give another coach Try at it because that's the conversation here, whether or not Matt Nagy should give one of his assistants uh, an attempt at this just to get a rhythm going, just to find something different, just even for the sake of change since the offense, to use Nagy's word, is, is stuck in a rut. So what, what have you learned about Peyton and the play calling and the rhythm that goes with it?
3: Uh, he's actually had some issues with play calling a little bit this year. And he's admitted that, that he, uh, he's had some bad games, uh, but they still able to overcome it. Uh, But like, I think he does a really good job of say running plays to set some up later. Uh, You know, I think it, it helps a ton to have drew Brees back there. I mean, like Sean Payton isn't as good without drew Brees. I mean, that's just what it is, even though they were able to, uh, run the similar offense with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback uh, but I do feel like that Sean knows there's a good sense of when he needs to be aggressive and when he he needs to scale it back and I think he's actually kind of learned that a little bit in the last couple of years because usually you you, you get criticized for being air Peyton air payton too aggressive sometimes and, and not running the football but I feel like he's been able to get pieces to kind of balance himself out and like he's been doing this for a long time and so uh, even for him to be able to do that uh, after being so apt to do something else uh, I think is a big thing like I just think he's more adaptable than he used to be and uh, I I, that's going to be put up to the test when Drew Brees is no longer the quarterback what do you do what type of quarterback do you go with but you know I, I feel like he has been able to be more adaptable. And like like I said, we talked about the Taysom Hill experience. Sometimes it's good. This, this year, it's, it really hasn't worked uh, as well. Uh, but he's never afraid to be creative. I think that's the big thing. Like I almost feel like when I watch, when, whenever I catch Bears games, I don't see a ton of creativity. I mean, am, am I wrong in that? Uh, it, it seems kind of just like, like I, I do a weekly cheat sheet uh, that's going to be coming out later uh, on, on, on the athletic. And I mean, I don't see one running back on there. I mean, he, well, how much is, how much, how diverse is David Montgomery? Like within the offense, I mean, yeah. if he's not that diverse, you're like, you're stuck. Like you, he prides himself, Alvin Kamara is so diverse, makes things different. Taysom Hill is diverse. Deontay Harris is, uh, can be diverse. Like he uses the pieces, uh, and maximizes these things like Taysom Hill. I mean, that is uh, they, he's trying to do all these different things just to make other people think and, you know, if you're not – if Nagy's not making people think and they don't really have the weapons to, to be creative, you're going to be in a rut. Yeah, and I, the Saints have, have never really been in a rut offensively too much in, I mean, you know, the last 15, 16 years.
1: Yeah, and the Bears have been in a rut for maybe
3: – For <laughs>
2: a longer a time a, than that. Yeah, a season and a half now. Like, he uh, tries to well, be – No, 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 no. My whole life.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, yes, yes. Well, 2018 may have been offensively, the, the exception, yes. Like – 2018 was full of creativity, and then you know the league figures you out a bit. Uh, I think they can do more with Dave Montgomery, but it's just not clicking. Yes, a lot of questions about what's afoot uh, offensively for for the Bears. Larry, last one for you. Um, Two part question here. What what matchups? On the field, are you looking at specifically, is it Alvin Kamara versus a Roquan Smith or an aging Danny Trevathan? Is it Akeem Hicks getting his crack at another revenge game against his former team? Like what matchups are you looking at and what's your pick?
3: I am looking at Akeem Hicks is a good one because I feel like uh, if he's going up against someone like Andres Pete, who high priced and struggles, I think that's an issue. I'm looking at the Saints tackles, uh, Ryan Ramchek has not been as good in pass protection as he has been in the past. And so I'm curious to see, uh, you know, how the edge rushers work, where they line up. Uh, And I know Khalil Max missed the last couple of practices. Uh, It's Ryan Armstead, their left tackle. He left the game last week uh, with an arm injury, uh, has been limited. So I'm curious to see how those tackles match up uh, against Mack or whoever else is going to be going after them. So, you know, I, I really like to watch that, that kind of interior game of, of what, what's going to happen there. Uh, but my pick, look, I, you know, I know the Saints are favored. Uh, like, but like I said, I'm, I'm a little shaky on the Saints, but I'm going Saints 21, Bears 20. I think it's going to be a tight game, uh, low scoring, leaning a lot on Kamara, and I think the Saints 21, Bears 20.
2: Larry, thanks so much for the insight. Really good stuff, uh, and we appreciate your time.
3: Yeah, good talking to you guys. Y'all take care.
1: Thanks, Larry.
2: All right, there he is, Larry Holder, columnist covering the Saints and LSU for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Larry Holder, and you should over the weekend uh, as you get the Saints side of things.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: Are three big questions for this late afternoon game at Soldier Field with the big Fox crew? Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Aaron Andrews, Christina Pink. They're all going to be there. This is your marquee late afternoon game.
1: It is. It's my turn for the questions, too. It is. Okay. All right. So let's see. Let's let's test your bears knowledge here too. Will Nick Foles have a passer rating against the Saints? It's higher than 87.4. Do you know why I chose that number? Uh no. That just happens to be Ms. Trubisky's passer rating this season. Oh. Tricky tricky. What do you think? No, <laughs> you can just hit the Mike Lennon soundbite if you want to. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. So, like, I, I know passer rating is a flawed stat, very imperfect, but I, I think it's it's still useful in making some comparisons, especially if you just want to simplify it and go between Nick Foles and, and Mitch Trubisky. So, his passer ratings. 76.4, 83.7, 70.2, and 66.8. That is what Nick Foles has put on paper, put on the field over his four full starts. It's not good. Trubisky, he's got the higher pass rating. He brings more to the table with his legs. I know this is maybe a meaningless conversation because Matt Nagy doesn't want to, to entertain it unless Nick Foles is injured, but I still think it's interesting nonetheless.
2: Well, it's interesting and it's a big deal. I mean, the the... Uh, the, look, the Bears have to figure out their offense. Uh, you know, I appreciate Larry's pick, twenty-one twenty, but the Bears are going to score 20 points? You know what I mean? Like, what evidence do we have that they can do that right now? It, it's been such a mess on that side of the ball. And until we see more evidence that Matt Nagy is willing to adapt and change what's going on, change the personnel, change the play calling – I, I, I don't, just because the Saints have a banged up secondary, I don't think that's a, a and I shouldn't say banged up, it's just they're not playing that well. Um, I don't think that's a good enough reason to just expect that the Bears are going to all of a sudden start hitting some of these shots downfield. They don't have enough time to complete them with that offensive line up front. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be in a, uh, you have to prove it before I start expecting any better results.
1: So here's the good news for for Nick Foles before we move on to question number two. The Saints, again, in terms of passer rating, have the second worst number, allowing opposing quarterbacks an average of 111.6. That's the passer rating. Only the Houston Texans are worse. So if Nick Foles cannot pass the ball, even without Allen Robinson, Against this defense, I think it's obviously a sign of significant problems afoot with him and Nagy just in terms of being an efficient passing offense. Okay, question number two for you, Adam. Will the Bears allow fewer than five runs of 10 yards or more against the Saints?
2: I'll say yes, because I think they... It seems like when they want to, they can do that. Um, I'm going to still say they allow at least three or four, though, because it is Alvin Kamara on the other side. Um, But, you know, I brought up – did you hear the question I asked Chuck Pagano yesterday? It it may be uh, you remember this play, but in, in the second quarter, there was a throw over the middle of the tight end, and Danny Trevathan missed a tackle.
1: And Eddie Jackson's just standing there?
2: It wasn't just Eddie Jackson. It was three players were standing there, just assuming that Danny was gonna make the tackle, which based on what we've seen this year, that's a pretty big assumption. Um, but the point is the Bears and, and Chuck was not happy with it. He said that they spent a long time this week talking about that specific play. You know, and you know, that's early enough in the game that you can't even blame it on being tired. Um and I also appreciate that Chuck Pagano, when he was asked if the Bears got tired, he admitted yes, probably, but he's not pinning that on the offense. You can get off the field. You, you have the ability to get a stop on third down, and they didn't do that enough. So I, I do think the Bears will come um, you know, and cor- correct some of those issues, but it is something to watch. It's been a problem.
1: Roquan Smith, to me, is is the one to watch. He was playing really well up to the Rams game. Looked a little bit lost. And some of that's just Sean McVay having a great game plan for the Bears. So stopping the run, stopping those big gains, we're looking at you, Roquan Smith. Number three, over or under, three sacks for the Saints. We don't know who's going to be starting on that offensive line. It doesn't look good for Cody White here. Three? More? Less? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll say at least three. Like, if you.
1: um, Now, the Saints aren't exactly the best pass rushing team in the league.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I don't love that you didn't put a hook on an over under here. You couldn't make it 3.5 or (laughs) 2.5.
1: Okay, fine. All right, fine. Fine. (laughs) Fine. Mr. Complaint. Three and a half.
2: Uh, Ooh. Okay, then I'll take the under because I think it'll be three.
1: Okay, I'm gonna say think, over. Okay,
2: yeah, I mean, I can't blame you.
1: Gonna say over. I I think that game. Uh, well, the Saints don't have an Aaron Donald. Cam Jordan's a good player. They do have, you know, Marcus Cam Stand Jordan. Support.
2: Cam Jordan crushed the Bears last year. He did. Do you, I mean, he had a great game. Do you remember? Do you remember him reading? Uh, First of all, this was a game where Roquan Smith struggled last year. Uh but on on that side, Mitch Trubisky trying to run those zone reads against Cam Jordan was a disaster in that game. And Cam Jordan was playing it perfectly. So I I, I the Bears better be ready to
1: double him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about Marcus Davenport? I I, I just think seeing Leonard Floyd. Do what he did to, to Bobby Massey. And, and I had some other words there. I'm trying to be nice. It, it was, like, I, I don't like any matchup from any of those five guys right now that the Bears have starting. Like, you know what I mean? Can Can you like rely on any of them to consistently win their one-on-one matchups against any team right now?
2: No, and you know the funny thing is when I was going back watching the tape, Leonard Floyd actually beat Bobby Massey on that same exact move earlier in the game, earlier than he got the sack. It just was one of those plays where Nick Foles got rid of the ball so fast that Floyd couldn't get there in time. But if you just isolate that matchup, he beat him with the same exact move early in the game. And then later he got him with the sack. So that's con- that's concerning that like an adjustment wasn't made either by Bobby one on one, or by the Bears to get help over there, and I realize you can't, you know, help everybody. But um, yeah, not good, not good at all. And and I I hate to say it, but I expect the five, same five offensive linemen to be out there this week. No differences. And as we are uh, recording this, this is news, uh, although it was expected. But the Bengals have signed Quentin Spain to their practice squad. So, not even the fifty-three man roster, just to the practice squad.
1: Just the practice squad. So
2: Bears couldn't have done that. Guess not.
1: They must really like what they have in Alex Barr, who doesn't play. Well said. All right, (laughs) fan questions. Um, Let's go three quick ones for you. Let's do uh, one about the game, one big picture, and one just for the uh, hell of it. All right, this is from Preston Ryan. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but how much of a factor will weather play in Sunday's game? Will we run more? I think it means the Bears will breeze. Be able to pass well in the wind and cold. Let me start with: Will we run more? Um, I'm just going to say: Does it does it matter? Like, of course, weather will limit like what you want to do through the air, especially if the the 40 mile per hour winds come through. But I don't think the Bears can run the ball. Like, so they're going to have to pass the ball.
2: Yeah, they can't. You know, it and that's it. Actually, hasn't been a storyline the last two weeks. Like Matt Nagy's not committing to the run; he's trying. You know, I I think it was against the Panthers. He they ran the ball fifteen times on first down. Um, They tried against the Rams. They just can't do it. They simply can't do it. So uh, this is where I'm very skeptical that I'm willing to buy the idea that the weather is going to affect. Drew Brees and maybe hold down that offense a little bit, but shouldn't have the same effect on the Bears. If all the Bears can do is throw the ball, and even that's a question mark right now, well, limit. If this turns into a game where they just both teams have to run the ball, why, why in the world would you like the Bears' <laughs> chances over Alvin Kamara?
1: Yes, there's no logic there. Absolutely, and the Saints aren't some prolific running team either like you know they're, they're just not uh, as, as Larry was explaining earlier but if I'm trusting anybody to figure out how to run in the elements I'm going with Sean Payton Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara in this one it's pretty simple
2: especially when you consider that the one issue the Bears have on defense uh, well two issues one's penalties but the other is explosive runs which we've covered earlier this week they've given up the second most runs in the NFL of over 10 yards so yeah, that's – I th- I, th- I tend to think that this weather conversation this week
1: is a little overrated. Okay, okay. All right, big picture question. This is from Vinny Collada on Twitter, local kid. Let's get a, a, an answer here. Um, are any of the current O-linemen worth saving, or should it just be a massive overhaul? Let's say you, Hogue.
2: Well, current, are we excluding James Daniels from that? Well, I'm um, no
1: keep them in, keep them in. Yeah, keep him in the I, conversation. look,
2: I, I still like Cody Whitehair, and I still like James Daniels. Are they all pros? Are they, you know, going to be dominant? No, I, I think, I think like with James Daniels, for instance, like you're seeing, he's a good player, but he's still going to have some limitations because he's not—he's actually undersized, right? So, even earlier this season, he's playing well, but he's not playing like quentin nelson and nobody's gonna play quentin nelson he's a you know he we knew that when he was drafted that he was you know kind of a freak the way he could move at that size but that's still a reality and it's a fair fair reality that there's some limitations there And, and i look i think that's why in both of those cases cody whitehair and james daniels were second round picks they were not first round picks they've both been very solid players and I still think they're young enough and pieces that you trust and can build around the other three spots. I think it's time to start looking for upgrades because you're seeing that the offensive line as a whole is not good enough
1: for me. It's the conversation about Charles Leno jr. And Bobby Massey, right? What do you do with their contracts? And There are exits after this season. Now, there there will be some dead cap, uh, dead money left on your cap. Uh, Significantly more for Charles Leno Jr., but you do save some money by releasing him. Um, Bobby Massey, you save um, a considerable amount of money by releasing him as well. So the conversation about overhaul, saving money, getting some younger guys in, it starts with those tackles. Guys who have not, especially Bobby Massey as of late, guys who have not performed up to what their contracts set their expectations to be, if that makes sense.
2: Yep, and that's going to be a storyline in the offseason. Um, unfortunately, there's not much they can do right now. Those guys just got to somehow find a way to play better. And let me clarify, you know, with the tackles, every tackle is going to give up a sack here or there. Um I actually tend to think that from a pass protection standpoint, the issues are more on the interior than with the tackles. And it is true that by not spending a crazy amount of money on a left tackle, the Bears have been able to put money elsewhere. Okay. And that's, and I do think that with that context, Charles Leno has been good enough in pass protection. I I, just – I think in both spots, the tackles and really just the entire line, whatever changes they make, they need to really be focused more on finding guys that can really make an impact in the running game. Yeah. yeah. You know, and figure out – I think what we've seen over these last two and a half seasons – is that I don't know that these pieces on the offensive line fit how Matt Nagy wants to run the ball within his offense. Like, there, there's a disconnect there. There's there's They're not comfortable running. Remember, a lot of these same players are the ones that were like in Dow Logan's offense, right? Which was much more bunched up, more power-type football a little bit. And I just don't know that they're completely comfortable doing what Matt Nagy's asking them to do in the running game.
1: Oh, offensive linemen can be expensive, uh, especially the best ones. Uh, I think it's it's well past time to use some more draft capital. Draft capital can't say the word uh, on the position. I, I think they should draft uh, like if I'm ranking off-season draft concerns at this point on the, the day before Halloween, like an offensive tackle should be a first-round priority for me. um, Can I bring
2: up a pet peeve of mine? Yeah. And and here, I'm going to actually stand up and uh, use a prop here that none of our listeners can see. But um,
1: Hold on. Let me pull up the video.
2: You see this helmet I'm holding up? Okay. Uh, It's a big Wisconsin W. (laughs) Okay. And my point is, every single week, I watch NFL games. And, you know, you can make fun of me for my Wisconsin, whatever. But they pump offensive linemen into the NFL. They've sent more offensive linemen into the NFL than any other program in the country, okay? And every single week, you know, Monday Night Football starts. They go through the offensive line. There's two Wisconsin linemen on the Rams' offensive line, okay? We just talked to Larry Holder. He mentioned Ryan Ramchek, And he said Ramchek's not playing as well as he normally does, but he's usually a really good offensive lineman. He came from Wisconsin. Every single week, the Bears are either playing somebody who has an offensive lineman from Wisconsin, or there's some game I'm watching where there's two, three guys in the game, offensive lineman from Wisconsin. The Bears drafted Gabe Karimi a decade ago, okay? And he actually, I still to this day think would have worked okay if he had not dislocated his knee. That was a pretty bad career-altering injury. But ever since then, they don't sniff these Wisconsin offensive linemen. And again, you can make fun of me. It's my alma mater. I get it. But, you know, it seems like every other team in the NFL has no problem going after Wisconsin offensive linemen. I don't see the Bears doing it.
1: Fair That's enough. my little rant. Fair enough. I, I was going to bring up K- G- Gabe Kareemi, but... um.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, yes, got bring yes. up. that draft pick did not work out. I still think, if you remember, though, uh, I think it was actually against the Saints, like week two of that season when he suffered that injury, he was already being considered like the best offensive lineman on that team at yeah. that point. And then the injury happened, and he was never the same.
1: All right. Fun. Last question from the listeners. This is from Clayton on Twitter. What major Chicago sports franchise ownership group is the least hated at this moment? I wanted to include this question because your team made a big hire yesterday, did they not? Yeah. Tony La Russa. Yeah. Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa
2: managed. He first managed the White Sox seven years before I was born. Yeah. <laughs> Nineteen seventy nine,
1: life is coming full circle, <laughs> right now.
2: Um, well, it is. So what? Uh, the, I'm not going to go into the whole thing about Tony LaRusso though. But what? 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 Uh, what, the question
1: was which ownership is? I I just wanted to find a way to bring up Tony LaRusso. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Least hated is yeah. the question ownership group in, in in this the in the city at the moment. Um, you know probably the, probably the. The Ricketts. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's upset with the Hawks. Uh, There's always McCaskey angst, you know. Even if they're winning, it's there. Um, Yeah, wonderful times in Chicago. I
2: like the new owner of the Fire. Okay. I don't like that stupid logo that they created. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like everything else they've done.
1: Okay, so we'll say the Chicago Fire.
2: Yeah, that's that's where you're at. That's all I got. You look, okay. Hey, I, I, I wanted a little Tony more a little La Russa, Tony La <laughs> As a manager, Tony La Russa, I have I a feeling. It. I got it, everybody. Go no, ahead. No, he, I did a whole podcast on this yesterday. You can check it out, the White Sox Talk podcast with Chuck Garfine, Ryan McGuffey, and Vinny Duber. Everybody was fired up. It's on NBCSportsChicago.com or the My Teams app. Go look for it uh, if you want the full discussion on that whole thing. But, look, as a manager – he's probably almost certainly an upgrade over Rick Renteria. The decision-making should be better. Um, The process of how it all got put together and you trusted a GM to take you through this whole rebuild and then at the end of it, you don't really let your GM make the hire. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that, but hey, they win a World Series, right? Does it all matter? I mean, that's what the end game is, right? So if, um, if it happens and... The uh, the sin of firing Tony La Russa back in 1986 when I was born, it all comes full circle and he ends up winning a World Series with the White Sox. That's kind of a cool story.
0: It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
2: Okay, Johns. Well, we've gotten through the listener questions, and it's time for this
1: Gold Predictions. What do you
2: got? My bold prediction is, and I know this is bold, so everybody, calm down. <laughs> Bear with you, okay. I get it. We're ready. The Bears of Chicago will score an offensive touchdown.
1: <laughs> oh, brother. How? <laughs> Uh, uh,
2: Mitch Trubisky throws it.
1: <laughs> oh, now we're getting crazy.
2: <laughs> now that just went from not bold to bold.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, my bold prediction. A little bit more in the realm of, I don't know, seriousness. <laughs> <laughs> David Montgomery flirts with 100 yards rushing. That is bold, actually. It's really that's, bold. That's I'm not going to really say he bold. reaches it; just flirts with it. I don't know if like 78 yards qualifies as like what 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 qualifies as flirting with 100 yards.
2: I love that. It's like he flirts, he flirts with 100 yards. You know, like he might have he
1: might have 33. Like at some, p- know, <laughs> it's close enough to 100. At, at like some point in the broadcast, they will say he's on pace for a 100 yards. But okay. Those when he gain, when he gains four yards on first down in the first quarter, <laughs> yes, if he continues, he's on it. pace. Yes, can... He's on pace. He's on pace. That's my prediction. Okay.
2: And those are your bold predictions this <laughs> week. Predictions. Predictions.
1: I like the 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 Saints in this one. Um, well, just winning winning straight up the Saints. Um. The Saints win. The Bears cover. Now they're, they're four and a half home dogs. So, yeah, that helps if you're a gambling man. But I think I learned my lesson last week. Maybe, maybe a little bit too much faith in the Matt Nagy, Nick Foles, we can fix this thing. I want to see it first before I pick them again, especially against a playoff caliber team. They're not playing the Jaguars this week. They're not. They're not playing the Jets or the Giants. They're playing the four and two. Saints with Drew Brees on center. So until Nick Foles gets a passer rating around Mitch Trubisky's season average, I'm not gonna pick them. Yeah, I'm not gonna pick them
2: either. I, I have uh the Saints winning 24 to 13. And I think that I don't think the Bears cover. I think the only way the Bears cover or have a chance at winning this game is. Is if they get either a defensive or special teams touchdown? Wasn't it? It was the Saints game last year when Cordell Patterson had his kickoff return for a touchdown.
1: You are Wasn't correct. It? You are correct. Yeah. yeah. My final prediction is uh, twenty to sixteen Saints.
2: Twenty to sixteen. I'm going twenty four to thirteen Saints. saw I'll take the the New Orleans Saints to cover. Well, there. you got
1: your touchdown in there.
2: Yeah, touchdown two field goals. Riveting. Bold prediction. There you go. All right. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. Pick some other games here before we get out. CBS. Noon. In the NFC North. The Colts and the Lions. The Lions are 3-3 three and three all of a sudden. Look at that. Hanging around. 500. Just like they did last year before Matthew Stafford got hurt. And everyone was saying Matthew Stafford's coming back. The Lions are your sleeper pick this year. And I kept telling you all that means is they're gonna be around five hundred, like they were <laughs> when they had him. And here,
0: and here they, are. they are
2: at five hundred. Uh a three point home underdog to the Indianapolis Colts who were on a bye week last week.
1: I think it's a classic case of Like you're feeling good about yourself, then all of a sudden you play play like one of the the better teams, especially defensively. I think Matthew Stafford is in for a long day against the Colts. We know home field advantage is not the same thing, especially with no fans in the crowd. So give me the Colts in this one, winning outright and covering that three points.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say that this is a close game that the Colts win. Um, You know, after beating the Bears, they didn't look so great after that. Beat the Bengals and lost. They are coming off a bye though, which should help. I just think this is going to be one of those, one of those games where the Colts will win, and I never trust the Lions in the end unless uh, you know Todd Gurley can't avoid the end zone. But what were the Falcons doing? They should have just knelt, just kneel, kick the field goal, game's over. Uh, some of these decisions last week. Some of these coaching decisions of trying to get field goals and overtime and at the end of the game—it's just bizarre. But so I'm going to take the Colts, but I will take the Lions to cover in this one.
0: Okay.
1: One of my favorite
0: gifs. Uh, where where's our friend Patrick Finley?
1: <laughs> Sorry. That one? No, one, no. One of my favorite gifs is is now the the Lions congratulating Todd Gurley for scoring that touchdown. <laughs> Have you seen that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Patting <laughs> him on the back and. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thanks, bud. Well it made no sense. Anyway, sorry. Play George again.
2: Oh, you want to hear him again?
0: Uh where where's our friend Patrick Finley?
2: Uh all right. Noon, Fox, Vikings and Packers already playing for the second time against each other this season before the Bears play either team. That's interesting. Uh, Vikings at Lambeau Field. Packers are a six-point
1: home favorite. Do you feel Packers routing this one? I feel it. Do you feel Crow. it?
2: <laughs> I mean, the concerns the Vikings have in their secondary—they
1: don't have anybody to rush the passer anymore. I'm pretty sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, the Vikings might score some points. You know, their their offense isn't that bad, the Vikings' offense. So they may be able to put up some points against the Packers in this game. But, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to say the Packers still cover that six.
1: Yeah, in week one, the Packers won 43-34. to 34. I think Aaron Rodgers has another good day. One of those classic Aaron Rodgers, like, four touchdown games where he has, like, passes that go through, like, you know, cornerbacks and stuff. That's what's going to happen against the Vikings. Packers – in a route, you know, maybe the Vikings do some score some points. Maybe late, maybe a backdoor cover, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, Kirk Cousins, I don't like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, don't like dude. that anymore. I don't like that. How do you like that? I don't like that. Um, Packers in a route. F- love media. All
2: right, this is your marquee game. I have no idea why it's not the Sunday night game. Uh, CBS noon Central Steelers at. Ravens, so you got the undefeated Steelers, uh, the Ravens obviously a very good team with the one loss. They are the Ravens are four point home favorites.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the Ravens are just a, such a unique challenge for op- opposing defenses just because of a, what Lamar Jackson can do, and they got those great tight ends and they run the ball well. They, you know that they, they play power football. Um, Lamar Jackson is a much better passer than people ever give him credit for. Uh, it, it takes, like, a, a unique defense to match up against that. And I think the Steelers are one of those unique defenses. I, I'm not going to pick them to well, How about this? Steelers, I'll take the points in the Steelers.
2: So you got the Ravens winning?
1: Yes, Ravens winning, uh, uh, taking the okay. points in the Steelers.
2: I'm going to take. this is too many points for me not to take the Steelers who are undefeated and have a good defense. Um I'd probably stay away from this game if there's real money involved uh, because I do think... I, I didn't like how the Steelers let the Titans come back last week. Uh, I loved everything else, like how they got off to a good start and they seemed to be in control and then all of a sudden... I mean, that game really should have gone to overtime, but Steven Gostkowski missed a field goal and it seemed like at that point if they had gone to overtime, the Titans would have won. So that made me a little nervous. The Ravens are are good, there's still something that's not quite as explosive with Lamar Jackson and that Ravens uh, offense right now, though. Like teams have adjusted, and the Steelers have too good of a defense. So I will take uh, the Steelers at this point.
3: Yeah, oh. you know, I'm not an offense coordinator. I'm not a defense coordinator. I'm not a special teams coordinator, but I coordinate all three.
2: All right, opposite the Bears game, also on Fox, 325. This one also could have been a Sunday night game instead of the one you're getting, which is the Cowboys and Eagles. Good thing we don't have to worry about missing Sunday Night Football this week as we're working.
1: Correct. Yeah. Talking Awful. to you. you.
2: 49ers, Seahawks. Seahawks are three-point home favorites after the loss last week to the Cardinals. The 49ers have turned things around. So, I mean, this game is in Seattle, but... I personally like the 49ers here.
1: Yeah, same, same. Uh, you still got to play fo- uh, defense in, in football these days, right? Like, I get that Russell Wilson is outstanding, but you still got to tackle guys, right? You still need to, you know, throw 11 guys out there to tackle the other team. The, the Seahawks do not have a good defense. Um, the 49ers do. I like defense. And Garoppolo's been better in recent weeks. He has been. He has been. So give, give me the Niners. Give me the Niners in this one.
2: Yeah, I like, the, I like the liners, too. And, you know, this is actually a week where I don't have really strong feelings really about any of the lines, but of all of them, this is the one I like the most.
3: You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up.
2: All right. Monday night football.
3: You know, I think Adams had a good season.
2: Bucks? Go to New Jersey and play the Giants. So, okay, Monday night game. At least Tom Brady's out there and they're playing well. Antonio Brown? No, he can't play yet, right? No. So, no Antonio Brown.
1: Gronk oh. is back. The old Gronk is back, it looks like.
2: Yeah, he looks pretty good. Um. Anyway, Bucks are 10.5-point road favorites here over the Giants. Giants aren't really good. However, they've been in most of their games. So, I mean, that's an argument there that they might be able to keep this close.
1: I'm going to lock this up as, like, your, your classic backdoor cover, right? Okay. Especially with getting the 10.5, and I've seen it in some places as high as 12. Like, I actually had 12 in the document, Adam, before, and changed it to 10.5 because that was just uh, the, the better average, I guess, that that was out there. Um, give me the, – the Buccaneers are going to win, and maybe handedly – um, but the Giants could sneak in a, a, an 80-yard run by Daniel Jones if he doesn't run, if, doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't fall. Like they, they could, they could backdoor this. So I'll lock that up.
0: You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock, it up. lock it up.
2: Lock it up. Lock it up. I'm gonna do the opposite and say um, I'm gonna take the Bucks, and I'm because after hanging around for most of the game, they pull away in the fourth quarter. And so it's one of those things where they, they have the, instead of the Giants backdoor covering late, I think the Bucks go ahead by more than 10 and a half late. Tom Brady's
1: late, Brady touchdown, yeah.
2: Yeah, Brady's been good. And, um, they, he's been really, I mean, he's actually looked really good the last few weeks. And I like that offense. I think they're coming together. We know they have a good defense. And that's where I just don't see the Giants scoring a whole lot of points in this game. Uh, they're going to fluster Daniel Jones. I, I like the Bucks to win pretty easily. And, uh, there you go. There you go. So enjoy the Bears touchdown, the Bears offensive touchdown this week, everybody. <laughs> enjoy uh, David
1: Montgomery's flirtation with 100 yards. Yeah. The 78 count?
2: Sure, I'll give it to you, honestly, <laughs> at this
1: point. It's closer than 52. <laughs>
2: All right, well, we'll be there. It'll be windy, not in the press box, though, fortunately. And uh, we'll have a post-game episode for you on Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read him at The Athletic, $1 a month. Can't beat that. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. That's where you need to go to subscribe, because that way they know we sent you, and that's good for us. It's good for the podcast. So then it makes it good for you. So thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Please rate and review the podcast. Uh, You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. And we will talk to you Sunday
1: after the Bears score an offensive touchdown. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.